Welcome back, episode 54. This is being recorded on February the 6th. And we're back to Carolina basketball. Unfortunately, not able to get Dad on this one. I did call him, and he had just one simple thought to express on this one, which I will make sure to do. Uh, But we're back to talking about Carolina basketball. And honestly, um, this is the second or third time we've talked about this season. We've talked about... You know, I, I got on here after the Kentucky game where we got blown out and talked about my frustrations and disappointments with Hubert. I got on here the we got on here preseason and talked about our preseason predictions and how we thought we would do. And clearly, we both you know predicted way better than we've already done. I mean, I think we both said seven and eight losses, which they already have um, three quarters of the way through the year. So that's bad. Um, it's actually atrocious. Really, they're probably not even gonna make the tournament. But um, this is going to be the last time we talk about them, unless just something crazy happens, like Hubert Davis were to get fired, which won't happen because it's his first year. Unfortunately, I I would really like for him to go ahead and go, but we'll we'll get to that. I just don't think this team's worth talking about anymore after this time. I think that it's a good time to stop and look at certain players, talk about certain players, really almost every player that's going to be rotational and talk about the coaching and just some of the issues and some of the good things, because there are a couple good things that I think we have, and breakdowns to this roster and what can be done. So, that being said, let's just get into it. Let's just start out with the head of the snake. You can look at a lot of different parts of this roster, and, you know, there's a lot of problems, just to put it frankly. But really where everything starts is coaching, And, you know, the farther along you get in basketball, the farther along I question how much coaching actually matters. I mean, does Frank Vogel really coach the Lakers? Or does LeBron? You know, who knows? I I would say the majority of people, including myself, say it's probably more LeBron than anything. Uh, College is different, though, because the, the difference between college and high school is pretty vast. And I think a lot of these kids need coaching at this level. Less the seniors, but, you know, especially freshmen, not that we play freshmen, uh, they they could use it. And, you know, they're integrated into a new system. Everybody is as athletic of you, if not more, if you're somebody like Brady Manick. Uh, unless you're Zion Williamson, of course, then nobody's more athletic than you, but that's because you're Zion Williamson. But for the most part, when you step up to this Division One level, especially at the level of UNC and Kentucky and Kansas and Duke, Everybody's as athletic as you. doesn't mean everybody's as skilled as you, but you can't really use your athleticism to bully people anymore like you did in maybe high school or your size because everybody is on a level playing field, at least, you know, the people in your conference. Now, if you're playing Lehigh, that doesn't necessarily mean everybody's on your level because you're UNC and you're playing Lehigh. But one of the problems, before I get into Hubert, and I want to express this because I think this is a really common misconception around Carolina basketball right now. So you have these, of course, you know, everybody's freaking out, to put it blatantly, including myself, because this is not Carolina basketball. You know, if NC State, because I I know a couple NC State fans, if NC State was having this kind of season that Carolina is, it's not to say that they wouldn't be upset, but they probably wouldn't be freaking out because this is common for NC State. NC State has won one national championship. Uh, Jim Valvano was the coach. I'm sure you guys have heard the Jimmy V week and that that whole story. But NC State is not a declarated 
college basketball program. You know, they've had a couple good players like Thurl Bailey make it to the NBA. Uh, I, I can't really – Cat Barber just got called up from the G League a couple weeks ago that played for NC State, or many people call him Anthony Barber. That's his real name, but for some reason they called him Cat Barber a lot of the time. I guess that's what he went by. But it would be normal for them. But it's Carolina, you know, we're – and it's not a shot at NC State, but we're winners. That's what we're used to. We win. We don't lose by 30. There's really no excuse to lose by 30. And where this becomes a problem is, like, I'm in a Facebook group of UNC basketball fans. And anytime something bad happens, uh, you'll get on there and you'll see, man, Hubert Davis, man, Caleb Love, oh, it's RJ, it's Brady, it's Baycott, it's this, it's that, it's this other thing. And everybody's trying to blame it on one person. As of recently, that guy is Caleb Love. Now, at the beginning of the season, the guy was Hubert Davis. It was Hubert Davis's fault. Hubert Davis is the worst coach ever. He sucks. It's This is his fault. As of the last two weeks, it's Caleb Love's fault. And it just changes. And really what it is, and it's not just those two guys. That's just the two that have they've caught the most blame. It's a combination of a lot of different guys' fault. Uh, Those two guys included. But it's not that just this one guy, like Caleb Love, he's been shooting the ball atrociously for the last week or two. It's not just because Caleb Love is shooting the ball bad that we suck. It's not that. It's That's a problem. It's a contributing factor, but there's no one thing. It's a plethora of different things that all compile together to make one horrific dumpster fire of a basketball team. And that is where the problem starts. So that being said, because I, I don't want to make it sound like it's one person's fault, let's start with the coach, head of the snake, as I've already said. Hubert Davis. Um, I like Hubert Davis. I think he's a great guy. I've heard some people around college basketball say he's one of the nicest people that they've ever met. And, you know, he's, he's a very knowledgeable basketball mind. Of course, he made it to the NBA. I, I've always wanted to look up his career numbers and really – there's nothing stopping me. I just haven't ever done it. And maybe during the course of this podcast, as long as my computer won't be too loud, I will actually try to look that up. But, you know, Dad said it before when we were on here. Some people just aren't meant to be head coaches. Hubert Davis, to me, is one of those guys. The The one thing that Dad wanted me to say on this podcast, on his behalf, so this is for him, and I quote, Hubert Davis is not the guy, end quote. And he's right. I totally agree. You know, this is something I said a couple weeks ago, and Dad repeated it to me two days ago, or three days ago maybe. Carolina has a rich tradition of keeping it in the family. And really, it's a pretty cool thing, honestly. Here's the problem. Eventually, we're going to run out of people. We're right on the edge of it right now. Wes Miller is coaching Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken, and I think he's actually doing a pretty good job. When Hubert Davis gets fired, and I'm not saying if, <laughs> when he gets fired, uh, Wes Miller is going to be the next guy. So here's the problem. What if Wes Miller sucks too? Now, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Wes Miller is going to do fine. Uh, I don't know if he's going to do good enough to keep a job for a substantial amount of time, but I do think he's going to be better than Hubert. But let's live in a hypothetical world where he is the worst coach ever and we are not winning basketball games. Well, then you have to make a decision. <laughs> do, do we want to keep it in the family, or do we want to win basketball games? You know, a lot of people will be upset that we're not able to keep it in the family. I would be, too. That sucks, because that's just a really cool thing that Carolina is able to do. However, 
I want to win basketball games. That's my priority as a, a fan. That would be my priority as a coach. And that was my priority as a player. I wanted to win. I want to see my team win. Teams I played on, I want those teams to win. I mean, you could. Sp- <laughs> I've spoken on my playing career a few times. I never scored the ball. I did the things that I thought were necessary to win. We had people on our teams that could score better than me. So what did I do? I gave those guys the ball, ran off a ball screen, cleared the court, uh, dove after loose balls, spent probably more time on the floor than I did standing up, and chased people down and didn't let people get free layups. I did what it was necessary for me to do to win. Later on, I learned how to shoot. We needed more shooters. I wanted to win. I want to win now. I want my team to win. I want them to want to win. I mean, that's a problem in and of itself. But I, I think <laughs> it's going to have to go out of the family. I'm totally cool to give Wes Miller a chance. That's fine. I understand. Um, for one, let's not give him a five-year contract like we've done Hubert. and give him. I mean, for nothing. Hubert Davis has assistant coaching experience, which is better than no experience, but it's not head coaching experience. It's just different. So I, I feel like that was a bad decision. I don't know who signed off on that, but I don't agree with it. Of course, it's too late now. But, you know, it, if you guys listen to not the podcast before this, but the one before that, um, I told y'all that Sarah and I were going to a UNC game the following day of when I recorded the podcast, um, which was January 22nd. We watched them play Wake Forest. Um, if you haven't seen that game, you know, go watch the go watch the highlights, whatever. Wake Forest destroyed us. Yeah, it, it was bad. They, I can't remember if it was closer to 20 or 30, but virtually it's one of those we lost by 30. I don't care what the box score says, we lost by 30. And there's so many problems that I saw with coaching. You know, there's problems with players too. We're talking about Hubert right now. Um, let's talk about the first thing. So they have a guy, I can't remember his first name. His last name is LaRavia. And he, from the very tip off, was just killing us. I mean, I I think he had 30 himself. And there was another guy that had just a few less than him. But the reason that I'm saying LaRavia, because if you go back and watch that game or just look at the box score, you'll see, well, well, this guy had just to get a game as LaRavia. He hit three or four threes really, really late in the fourth quarter when we were already down like 20-some. So he had a good game statistically, but he didn't really hurt us that bad. Uh, But LaRavia was just backing Brady Manic down, hitting jump shots, getting to the line, doing all this, doing all that. Well, we have one guy on that team that is there for defense. He is not there for anything else, just defense. And that's Leaky Black. And it took till the second half for Hubert Davis to go, hmm, maybe I should put Leaky Black on the guy that is on pace to get 30. And Leaky Black did a good job. But just the fact that it took 20 minutes of play to say, hmm, well, this guy's destroying us. Maybe I should put the one guy on this team who's known for defense and whose mantra is to play defense on him. That was one problem. Two offensive problems I uh, you know I it's frustrating to me knowing that there's so many coaches that I've met that could probably do a better job at play calling that Wake Forest game they ran two plays they would either give it to Baycott on the left wing and do a dribble handoff with RJ Davis he would start in the left corner run up get the ball and you know then he would usually get a ball screen and he would try to you know slip it or get a shot, and none, neither of them ever worked. Or we would give it to Baycott right above the th- free throw line. Caleb Love would come up from the right corner, 
get to the left wing after coming up from the right corner, isolate, or get a ball screen from Brady Manick, who would pop out for three, who did hit a couple of them, or Caleb Love would drive and throw up some stupid crap that didn't go in. And that's the two plays we ran pretty much the whole game. If we weren't in transition offense, or RJ or Caleb just decided I'm going to isolate to try to get a bucket and I'm going to miss, that's what we did. And you could tell from five minutes into that game that, yeah, it's not going to work. We're not getting open. We're not getting good shots. This offensive strategy is not going to work. I had that figured out at about the 15, 16-minute mark. However, it took Hubert Davis, but he, well, he never figured it out. We continued to run that the whole game, despite the fact that it wasn't working. <laughs> that is a problem. I don't understand how we don't just run something else. I mean, he's, he's a knowledgeable basketball guy, so it's not, you know, you, you might think, well, maybe that's the only two plays he knows to run against that defense. And if you're right, that's a shame. But I wouldn't think that's correct. I mean, this is a knowledgeable basketball guy. How does – and I and I'll tell you what Dad said, too, about this. He said he the game got so bad that he stopped watching the game and he was watching Hubert Davis. And I went back and watched it afterwards. I didn't watch it in the time it was going on, but, you know, if you go back and watch Roy, most of the time Roy was cool, but but you'll find some clips of Roy throwing his jacket and Roy yelling and screaming and Roy getting technical fouls because he got animated when he needed to to you know get his team inspired. Like Roy was energetic, and man, I miss Roy. Uh, Hubert Davis was just chill. He didn't care. He didn't act like it. He doesn't interview well either, by the way. He said Miami's guards are better than ours. Just to throw that in there, it was actually after the Wake Forest game. He's like, you know, coming off these back-to-back. 20, 30-point losses, how do you – I don't remember what the question was. He's like, well, tonight we got smacked in the mouth, and as far as Miami, their guards are better than ours. And if you don't believe me, go look up a Wake Forest Hubert Davis post-game interview. It's in there, I promise. I've listened to it about three times. <laughs> it's shocking. I can't believe he said that. But Hubert Davis just simply is not the guy. I think whenever he's fired, he should be offered his assistant coaching position back because everybody spoke really highly of him as an assistant. I think he did his assistant coaching job very well. I think that if he wants to be an assistant coach, that's something he wants to do. I feel that he should be given the opportunity to do that. If he doesn't, that's fine. Uh, we, I appreciate your time with us, Hubert. Thank you. But, uh, you know, I'm not interested in having him as a head coach anymore. Uh, you know, I know he's not going to get fired this year. He's got four more years of his contract. Fortunately, Carolina is just one of those teams, you know, that does have the money to buy out a contract like that. A lot don't. Carolina does. So I'd say year two, year three, he is probably gone. But we're we're just going to have to suffer through this year and probably next at the minimum. But he's not the guy. It's not going to work, <laughs> um, unfortunately. So let's look beyond this and talk about the players. I wrote these down at random order, so I'm not – you know, this isn't any particular order of the way that – I think these guys are good or who's bad. I wrote them down in the order I wanted to talk about them. Um, I did save the one that I want to talk about, or sorry, the one that I have the most positive thing to say about last because I do want to end on a positive note because it's my favorite team. But let's talk about everybody else. Let's start with R.J. Davis. R.J. Davis is very similar in a way that I'm going to talk about him to another player in this team. R.J. is, you know... RJ's short. Let, let just, let's just say it as it is. RJ is not tall. And that's okay. I'm not tall either. I'm not, you know. But 
the the problem with that is that he gets bullied defensively. Offensively, I really like RJ. And, you know, Caleb Love has been our primary ball handler a lot of the year, if not the majority of the year. I genuinely think that RJ should transition to being the full-time primary ball handler. He's much less turnover-prone than Caleb Love. I think he's a better shooter than Caleb Love. And he makes smarter decisions than Caleb Love. Offensively, I don't really have a lot to say about RJ. He's our best shot creator as far as creating shots for himself. He is definitely our best shot creator. Um, He makes a lot of really difficult shots. It's unfortunate that he has to shoot as many as he does. And to be the size that he is, he's actually great getting to the rim. Now, it doesn't happen often, but when he does, you know, he's going to get blocked occasionally. But I think for the most part, his percentage at the rim is probably pretty high. I think he's very successful when he feels like he needs to drive. And he's improved his shooting clip amazingly. Offensively, I'm really, really happy with the production that I've seen from RJ. Now, he does have some of these off games, and you want to kill him, but sometimes the ball just doesn't go in. For the most part, I'm happy with his offensive production. Now, defensively, this is where I get frustrated with RJ. I understand the struggles that come from being small. I I promise you I do. I've always been the smallest person on my basketball team, and we're a small-town team, so we would go away and play these bigger teams, and, you know, their third biggest guy was the size of our center, you know. And that's – or sorry, their third shortest guy is what I meant to say. And, you know, the guy that I would be guarding at 5'4 was six foot tall. And, you know, you find ways around it, which you just – you run zone, you do what you got to do. But when – and this is when talking about mostly when they're running man, just because that's what most teams do. I mean, everybody's going to run a zone occasionally. A lot of that's to conserve energy, I feel like. But for the most part, teams are just going to run man. So when you imagine that I'm saying R.J. Shore and he has problems defensively, I would say the majority of you are back, you're thinking in your mind of a bigger point guard, say like take Cade Cunningham from last year in college. He's 6'8", he's a point guard. Cade Cunningham just backing R.J. down, backing him down, backing him down, backing him down, getting to the rim, turning the shoulder, layup. That's really not the problem. Uh, physically, he doesn't get backed down a lot, honestly. He really stands his ground when guys, you know, turn their shoulder into him and try to push him. He's actually pretty stout. Like, he, you you would be surprised. It doesn't happen a lot to where he just gets bullied. The problem is he gets beat off the dribble bad a lot. I don't understand how because, you know, being that size, he should actually be pretty quick, pretty nimble. And I don't really – Defense is 90% effort, guys. You know, you you can disagree with that all you want, and there are some tactics that take intelligence and skill uh, to play defense, which is your other 10%. The majority of defense, it's it's effort. So when I'm seeing RJ just go off a simple re- right-to-left crossover and get beat all the way down the floor, it's a problem. Teams get so many open layups against us, and a lot of it, is R.J. getting beat off the ball? And there are times where, you know, despite the fact that I said he is stout, he does get taken advantage of because of his size. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not going to complain about that because it's not his fault that he's short. But it, it hurts given that we're a lackluster defensive team as it is. So the times when teams want to involve him in the post, you know, just get a switch, get him onto a big guy, it's a problem. And it, it happens – Not a lot, but more than you want it to. So, RJ really is a 50-50 player this year. There's another player like that on here who we will get to. But it just, 
it, it's hard when, you know, this is what I'm saying, like, when I say that there's so many players that contribute to us being a lackluster team, I think RJ's a good player. And with a lot of other UNC teams, we would be having a totally different conversation with RJ. Like, if you stuck him on our 26, uh, 2016-17 national championship team as opposed to Joel Berry. Now, we probably don't win it because Joel Berry's great. And I'm not saying he's Joel Berry. But he would do a lot better in a Joel Berry-like role with that team because we have competent defensive guys. We have guys that, you know, when he gets beat that are there at the rim, like, shoot it, I dare you. And you're just not going to be able to bully our interior defense like you can with this team. So really a lot of this is the, you know, this is just kind of start of the compilement of issues. We can't have a lackluster shooting guard on this team, lackluster defense that is, and we do. That's that's a big contributor to this problem. Next, since we've got R.J. Davis off the table, let's talk about Dontrez Styles. Now, if you're really, really into Carolina basketball, you know where I'm going. If you're not, and you just, you know, kind of know the roster, you're probably saying, who the heck is that? And... That's fair, <laughs> because he hasn't played. And that's a problem, and that's why I'm talking about him. Styles is one of our two freshmen, and we may have more than two freshmen, but as far as high-profile recruits, or relatively high-profile recruits, because we still didn't get any that I feel like we could have got being a blue-blood school. And, you know, you can tell that Hubert is Roy's assistant. That's what I would say about Dontre Styles and his lack of playing time. Everybody knew that Roy wanted to play as upperclassman. It's why Walker Kessler left. And by the way, if you guys, if you're a Carolina fan and you're wondering, I wonder how Kessler's doing this year. Uh, if you've paid attention, Auburn's the number one team and it's on like a 20-game winning streak. He's on that team and he's had multiple games with eight-plus blocks. When I say multiple games, I mean at least five. And the ones that he doesn't have five, he usually, or sorry, the ones that he doesn't have eight or so, he usually has at least four or five. So, um, great decision for Roy to play Garrison Brooks instead of Walker Kessler and have him leave. Um that's awesome. <laughs> sure, he wouldn't help out. But anyways, I digress. Cuber um, doesn't want to play the underclassmen. And there was this season, I can't remember what game it was. It might have, it might have actually been Kentucky that Dontrez got in with about a minute to go, got the ball, and I swear he didn't look like he could dribble. It, it scared me so bad. It, it's like the worst 20, or not 20, maybe 10 seconds of basketball I've probably ever watched in my entire life. And it, it scared me to death because <laughs> I just, I was like, it looks like he's never touched a ball. However, I went back and I watched his high school stuff because that's, you know, really all I have to go off of. And his shot looks great. And, you know, he, he looks like he's got a pretty good stature, size. And th- the reason. So, I don't know what this guy's doing in practice. Let me say that first. I don't know what he's doing in practice. He could have not made a shot all year. He may have got rim stuffed 25 times. He may really not know how to dribble. I don't know. I'm not in the practices. I'd love to be. I'd love to be invited. If anybody hears this that can invite me to a UNC basketball practice, I'll be there. Just call me. But, it's, it's a shame. Like, this has been recorded the day after the Duke game. And, oh, and just for reference, I was going to do this podcast anyways. I had this sketched out a couple weeks ago. Then the Duke game happened. I said, I'm going to go ahead and do it now just so I don't have to talk about this team again because I don't even know that I'm going to watch any more games this year. I don't feel like I have a reason to. I don't want to watch Caleb Love anymore. Uh, then, you know, we'll talk about him more when I get to him, but I don't really know if I want to watch Carolina basketball anymore when Caleb Love is a part of those teams. But anyway, um, Styles should be getting play time. Just because Roy didn't play his freshman doesn't mean that Hubert can't. And when we're down 20, 30, 
to game in games like Duke and Kentucky, and it's pretty clear, yeah, we're, we're not going to win this game. We're going to lose. Put in the guys to get them some experience. Put in DeMarco Dunn. Put in Dontrez Styles. Put in Puff Johnson. Play these guys. Let's see what they can do. We're going to lose anyways. We're getting destroyed. There is no good in having Caleb out there. There's no good in having RJ out there. And there's no good in having Armando. There's no good in having Brady. There's no good in having Leaky out there. We know what these guys can do. We know what they're supposed to do. We know what they're capable of. And we know where they struggle. We don't know anything about Styles and Dunn, and really even Johnson, because we don't see them play enough. Give them some time. Let them get in the game. Let's see what they can do. Maybe they can help us. But no, they don't play them. So that's Dontrez Styles. He... Go go watch Tots if you want if you want to see him because if you want to see him in college basketball you're gonna have to wait another year and he's probably gonna transfer and I wouldn't blame him. Uh, fourth, well fourth if you include the coach which I am. Uh, Justin McCoy, Justin McCoy, his transfer, I believe from Virginia. Uh, Brady Manick was also a transfer to Ohio or not Ohio I don't want to say Ohio Oklahoma. Uh, Justin McCoy, Justin McCoy was brought in for one thing, and that is defense. He was never thought of to have a great shot or be a contributing offensive factor. He's very similar to Leakey, or was supposed to be anyway, in being a defensive-minded guy. The problem I have with McCoy is what he has evolved or devolved into, I guess would be a better word, is five free fouls. You know, I'm, I'm fine if, if you come in and do what you're supposed to do. If he would came in and like nobody's scoring, if Justin McCoy's in the game, you Justin McCoy's on you, you ain't going nowhere. He just fouls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't understand. Like he doesn't stop anybody. He just fouls them. And it's, when I say five free fouls, you can take that two ways. I got to put in to just foul, just because it doesn't matter if he fouls out, or a guy that fouls excessively, and he's both. <laughs> For one, I don't care if he fouls out. I don't want him in the game. For two. All he does is armbar people and hand check people and grab people and hit people. And, you know, he, he just fouls. I, he's terrible. He can't play defense, and that's what he's supposed. That's all he's supposed to do. I mean, what he's he doesn't do anything. He he's brought in for one thing. He's like all he was asked to do when he came in is play some defense. He can't. He's not. He's not good. <laughs> he's I don't. He's not good. I know he's good at basketball because he's got a D one scholarship. He's at North Carolina Chapel Hill. He's probably way way better than me. And I say probably because I, I kind of doubt it in a way. But he's just not very good at basketball, in my opinion. Uh, number five, I would say objectively probably our best player of the year when you're talking about statistic-wise, being Baycott with all the uh, double-doubles and things he's had like that. I don't I don't have as much to say about Baycott as you might think. Um uh, I try to think of a couple things because I do want to talk about him. You know, I do think he's a bit overrated, unfortunately. You know, uh, the ACC isn't filled with a lot of great bigs. And, you know, he, he had to guard Bancaro for the other night, picked up two fouls in four minutes and was out. When he's on, he looks like he could be in contention for ACC Player of the Year, you know, with these double-doubles and all these rebounds. I mean, he, he's had 20 rebound games this year, and, Looked awesome. But then he'll come out the next game and have eight points and two rebounds. That's a problem. Uh, What I would say about Baycott is overall, I'm really happy we have him. And when he's having one of his good games, it is the best thing ever. But when he's not, it's it's rough. (laughs) It's it's not fun. And 
I don't think he's as big as people think he is. And, again, that's not his fault. There's nothing you can do about it. But comparatively, like, to Mark Williams the other night, like, a Mark, Mark Williams is way bigger than a Baycott. I just don't – I think he's a little shorter than people think he is. And that hurts because it would be good, nice for him to be a legit seven-footer. Realistically, I think he's, like, 6'9", something like that. But overall, I'm – I don't want to say I'm happy with him, but comparatively to the other guys, sure. I mean, he's had a lot of really good games. He's had a lot of really bad games, too. But overall, it's hard to be mad at him just because he's done so much better than a lot of the other guys. So, uh, Baycott overall, you know, sure, sure. Good stuff. Uh, number six, Caleb Love. Were they going to spend a lot of time here or very little? Caleb Love, you know, we did that episode preseason and said if this team was going to reach its full capability. Now, when you say full capability, what we're talking about is ACC championship, tournament run, national championship, something along those lines. Now, if they don't win the national championship, they make it to the Sweet 16, get eliminated by a good team, I would still consider that max potential because you don't really know what a team is capable of yet. And that was just what we thought. And that's what I still think this team is was capable of, not anymore. But... Caleb Love is a huge part of the problem <laughs> for so many reasons. So, for one, let's just talk about not him being bad, but him not being good. That's a problem in and of itself. We we needed him to be good. And there's – it sounds like a weird terminology to say, let's talk about him not being good as opposed to him being bad. Him not being good is a problem as opposed to him not being – or him being bad is just a monstrosity. We needed a playmaker. We didn't need him to be great. I think we needed him to be great to be a national championship contender. But to be a good basketball team, we just needed him to be sound, and he's not sound. He, So, for one, you can go look at the shooting splits. Like he's had these couple of games statistically where he's actually looked really good. Like If you just looked at a box score and said, wow, he had 16 and uh, six rebounds with four assists, that's, that's a good game for Caleb Love. Well, click the <laughs> scroll a little farther on that box score there, Hoss, and you'll see he shot three for seventeen most of these games, four for seventeen most of these games, like atrocious. He's made like five out of his last forty-three pointers. It's bad. So for one, you have his shooting struggles, and I've said all night sometimes the ball just don't go in, <laughs> and that's true. And it's hard to blame a guy because the ball's not going in. A part of the reason I blame him for the ball not going in as more as I would blame RJ. When RJ doesn't see the ball going in, RJ goes, hmm, not shooting very well tonight. Maybe I should uh, give it a Baycott. Maybe I should. we should run more plays for Brady Manick. Caleb Love's not shooting very well tonight. Well, he's going to shoot it again. <laughs> he's going to shoot it again. You know what's going to happen? He's going to brick it off the side of the backboard. And he's going to get it again, and he's going to do the same thing. He's going to make one. Oh, now I'm hot. Now shoot it again. He's going to brick it. It's it's awful to watch. He thinks he is a superstar. Just watch him. He's got the worst attitude that ever was. Oh, my gosh. It's so annoying. He is a turnover machine. He cannot pass. He does not want to pass. I don't. I think that's why he can't, because he doesn't want to. He only passes when he feels like he has to, when he, there's just no out other than to pass the ball. <sighs> the turnovers... Oh, it's awful. I hate watching Caleb Love play basketball. It, it's awful to me. He, he can't play make the turnovers. He doesn't want to pass. He doesn't feel like he needs to pass. That's my opinion. He just acts like, I would give it to this guy. He's not nearly as good as me. 
when he's probably better than you. I mean, just the attitude, it's contagious for one. I don't want that on my basketball team. Stop shooting. You suck. You can't make a shot. Just stop. Please give it to somebody else. <laughs> Anybody else, I don't really care. I, I There's a lot of nights I'd rather have Leaky Black shoot the ball. These last two or three games, his shooting percentages have actually looked pretty good. <laughs> I'd love to see Leaky shoot a couple. Uh, man, I'm... I'm so frustrated with Caleb Love. The shooting, it's just so bad. You know, I just stop shooting. I, I'm not saying never shoot the ball. If you have it wide open, shoot it. But when you've missed six in a row, pass. Make the extra pass. Make a swing pass. Make the defense shift. Create a play. Do something for somebody else. Get Brady Manic in a pick and roll, pick and pop. Do something other than just jack up a three and miss and then turn the ball over late game, please. Please. It's really frustrating. <laughs> um, moving on, Puff Johnson. You know, similar to Styles, if we're getting destroyed, I'd like to see him play more just to see what he's capable of. However, he doesn't look like his brother to me. He was brought in in case he was Cam Johnson and he was going to shoot like Cam Johnson and be as good as Cam Johnson was. He's simply not his brother. Just go watch Cam Johnson's shot. It's just pretty. Like, it's it's a nice shot. Like, it's good to watch. Like it makes you happy. And it's not that... It's not that Puff shot is bad. Because I, I don't think it's bad. But it's it's not like, wow, that's a nice-looking shot right there. That looks good. It just... It's a shot. It, it, you know, it may, may go in, it may not. He is 6'8", so if he would be a good shooter... I'd love to have a 6'8 small forward in there. That would be nice. I just don't have faith in him. And that's probably terrible to say. I just don't think he's his brother. And that's okay. You know, it's not his fault. I never had high expectations for the kid. I hope he turns out to be great. I have nothing against Puff. Um, he he plays hard when he gets in. And, um, oh, yeah, I skipped that. Caleb Love's effort sucks. That was the whole thing with RJ when I was talking about his defense, his effort. Caleb Love has the worst effort ever, especially defensively. He gets beat worse than RJ. He doesn't even try. He just lets dudes beat him. And he is one of the most athletically gifted guys on the team. Just gets destroyed defensively. And there's no excuse for it other than he just doesn't try, doesn't care. Does not care at all. I hate that. There's no excuse to give up, quit, and have that kind of attitude on your team. Moving forward. Uh, moving forward from Puff Johnson as well. Um, number eight, probably the guy I'll spend the least amount of time on, uh, Dawson Garcia. Garcia's away right now. He's in Minnesota for family issues. Here's what I'll say with Garcia. He's had some games where I thought he was our best player. Really did. Then <laughs> Hubert Davis won't put him in the game. Then he'll have kind of a bad game, but really, I, I don't think he's had any horrible games when he's got substanti- substantial minutes. Um... You know, Garcia, I think he's going to transfer simply because of the family issues, and that's okay. I'm not blaming him. I feel like it's probably a good personal decision to make if he's having all these family issues to maybe move closer to home. You know, I I don't – North Carolina and Minnesota aren't very close. I hope good Dawson Garcia comes back. I really do because I like him. I do really like Dawson Garcia. I think he's a good player. And I, I think he puts in a, a good amount of effort. And there's games like the Duke game that I think if he would have played, that he would have seen a lot of minutes guarding somebody like Paulo Bancaro. And we missed him. But as far, far as Garcia goes, you know, man, I hope everything's all right. 
like not and I say this all the time I talk to these guys like they're gonna hear me just because that's the way that I'm trying to address them personally I know he's not gonna hear it but for what it's worth man I do hope everything works out for you if you transfer there's no spite from me personally and hopefully not from the Carolina fan base because I don't think there should be Um, I hope everything works out for you man I I do hope you come back I, I think you would be great and you know, please, please stay. If if at all that you can and your family stuff works out okay, please stay. I'd love to see you on next year's team, man. But um, on to number nine, and this is a tricky one. So I talked about R.J. Davis being a 50-50 player, and I said there's one more 50-50 player, and it is this one. That would be Brady Manic. So again, let's talk about box scores. There's a difference between looking at a box score and watching a game. <laughs> uh, the box score doesn't tell you certain things. So... If you go look at, you know, Carolina's last four or five box scores and you look at Brady Manick's numbers, you're going to say, wow, he's probably been their best player over this stretch. And you're not necessarily wrong because he's had 20 points most of these five games, uh, about seven, eight rebounds, and a couple assists here and there. You know, nothing crazy. But if you play substantial minutes, eventually you're going to get an assist or two. And that's very true. He has been great. He's been way better rebounding the ball than I thought he would be. I've been really surprised at how he how he gets rebounds because a lot of it's not physical. He just he has very good timing, I would say. And he, he's a great shooter. You know, I, a lot of guys coming into the season said he had the best mid-range jump shot that they'd ever seen. And he's really done a good job expanding that to the three-point line. And he's made a lot of threes this year and been a great option for us for a pick-and-pop, especially with RJ. Him and RJ have great actions that they run, and it's a really pleasant thing to see when it works out. And he's been our most consistent, reliable player over these games. He's hit his shots. And, you know, the Duke game, he played almost the whole game, despite getting killed and going to lose. He still played him most of the game. Um, the problem with him is, and I'm going to use the Wake Forest game, for example. So we started that game um, with Brady Manick on LaRavia. Oh, man, he killed him. I mean, LaRavia, it wasn't even as tall as Brady. But just bullied him, man. Just backed him down to the goal, turned around, tossed it over his shoulder, went in, and just ran back. Bullied him. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. It really is. But he, he bullied him, man. There's just there's nothing else I can say. He, bu- he bullied him. And that happens a lot because he's not that strong. It's just not his game, and that's okay. But for every 20 points that Brady Manning scores, there's another 20 he gives up. And that's unfortunate because it's a player that I'd really like to root for um, just because of what he does offensively. And it's sad, really. It's just sad because uh, he, he's not strong enough to guard power forwards and centers, and that's what happens when he does. He just gets back down. But he's really slow, so if you put him on a small forward, which did happen in the Wake Forest game, then he just gets beat off the dribble, and it's really not even his fault because he has no business guarding small forwards. And, you know, there's a foul or there's a dunk or, you know, Baycott has to collapse over and stop the drive and there's a three. It, it creates a lot of problems and it's it's bad. And where it becomes even worse is say he has an off shooting night. Like I think the last do game he went like maybe four or five from three the last time I checked because I stopped watching that, by the way. Uh, I watched it most of the way through, but about the six-minute point, I turned it off. So... When he has these games, which doesn't hasn't happened in a while, but he has, you know, nine points and shot, one for seven from three. So he didn't have those 20 points, but he still gave up those 20 points. So he, he's putting you in the hole. So it, it's, it's a really risky game with Brady Manick. 
Overall, though, because I never expected him to be a great defender, he's been a great contributor to offense, I guess I'm happy with him. I guess I'm happy with him um, more than a lot of other guys. But again, you know, like I've said when, I, when I'm talking about where we're having problems, you know, as in regards to the, you know, like I said at the very beginning, it's not one guy's fault, it's a plethora of guys' fault. That's where it becomes a problem. Another guy, interior-wise, that can't play defense. That's an issue. But next on the list, Kerwin Walton. Uh, all I can really say here is that hit this one on the head. Uh, he, he's probably been the biggest disappointment, other than maybe Caleb Love, of course. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily expect him to expand upon what he did last year as far as, you know, he shot 42% from three. I didn't expect him to get better. Uh, I thought he was going to be exactly what he was last year, a really good shooter who can't play defense. But I knew he couldn't play defense. Everybody did coming into the year. And has not only has he not played defense, he can't make a shot. He, he's lost. I don't know what happened. He can't hit a shot. So he's you know lost his minutes in the rotation. This will be another guy to transfer. And it's it's sad. Um, we need a perimeter shooting. We've really struggled. Uh, our best shooter has been Brady Manick, and as a power forward, that's a problem. It's nothing against Brady Manick. If you can hit those shots that well, awesome, but we, we really need RJ and Caleb to be the guys making those shots, or Puff if he gets in, you know. But Kerwin Walton, man, it's just – it's bad. He can't hit a shot. Dad had that one right. He called it. Uh, next, Leaky Black. I'm going to give Leaky Black some credit. I've really noticed this year that his defense is extremely impactful. He's doing a better job limiting his turnovers and playmaking. He's probably been our best playmaker, which in a way is sad given that he's a small forward, but I've been impressed with his playmaking. But but number one thing, you know, his defense on Bancaro was incredible. He did a great job on him. Even in that Wake Forest game when they put finally put him on LaRavia, he really, really slowed him down. And, I, I'm you know, I've, I've given a Leaky Black <laughs> – a lot of crap over his time at North Carolina. As far as the players who've actually got substantial playing time this year, I'm probably the happiest with Leaky Black. He's been making shots recently. I don't expect that to continue. That's not his game. It's great when it's happening. When it stops, that's fine. It, you know, it's not what you're really here to do. But I'm I'm happy with Leaky. I really am. And I never thought I would say that. Uh, I'm shocked. Uh, but the Duke game really won me over, honestly. Uh, if you would ask me, if I would have done this podcast before the Duke game, I probably wouldn't have said that, but just watching him play on Bancaro, watching just the way he handles himself when he has the ball in his hands, you know, the way he surveys the court, the way he's calm, cool, collected. Um, I'm impressed with him. I really am. And, you know, that's it's unfortunate that one of our better players just isn't really that capable offensively, except for when he does drive the ball. It seems to usually go pretty well, and he's very good at it. I wish he would do it more. Uh, and last, my new favorite player on the team, the player that I just I really hope he doesn't transfer, uh, DeMarco Dunn. You know, maybe it's something about that beautiful number 11, if you don't get the reference, it's a Bryce Johnson reference, <laughs> um, that makes me like him so much. But a um, couple things from DeMarco Dunn. And I referenced him when I talk about styles. He's another freshman that doesn't play. The other night he got in versus Duke, made a three. And if you, you'll probably won't find it. Uh, but he did make a really, really pretty play. And this is what you like to see from a point guard. He got in. He got the ball. I don't know who was guarding him. It might have been Jeremy Roach. I think it was Wendell Moore. Pressured him all up in his face, you know, poking at the ball, doing this, doing that. Calm, cool, collected, put him on his shoulder, got to about the free throw line, uh, playing his game, going at his own pace. Made a ball fake, got open, made a beautiful pass to Carl Walton for a layup. Uh, plays at his own pace. And then he got in for a little bit versus Wake Forest. 
only guy all night versus Wake Forest I saw bust his hine in. I mean, he was fighting. They had a big, huge white guy that didn't get a lot of playing time, but they were in at the same time. It overlapped a little bit. And DeMarco was down there trying to bang with this guy. I mean, he was trying to take the ball from him. And, uh, boy, I mean, he was not afraid of this guy, as opposed to, like, Baycott, who would seem like wanted no business with him. So um, I've, I've been impressed the most with DeMarco, honestly, um, him and Leakey. But I love I love Demarco's effort. I love his shot. I love the idea of him being our point guard. I really please don't transfer, man. If anybody hears this, if anybody on that team ever hears this and just just you know actually cares about what I have to say, and I'm sure you don't. But if you do, please don't transfer. Please stay. I mean, if you do, I understand, and I wish you the best of luck because I I probably would transfer myself. But please don't. I would love to. I would love to see you progress as a basketball player at the University of North Carolina. But that's everybody. And you know, when like I said, when we have these problems, and I say it's a combination of things: one, Hubert, terrible play caller, just not a good coach; RJ being lackluster defensively; Baycott not being as big as a lot of people think; Caleb Love just not being good; uh, Dawson Garcia being away; Brady Manick being a really bad. Defensive liability, and I explain why that's an issue because we really need good interior defense. So if we have guards that are playing defense like Caleb and RJ, we need somebody to deny hit the rim, and we just don't have that. Uh, Leaky Black not really being a capable shooter. Kerwin Walton not really being a capable shooter. Just not having a wing that is a capable shooter. And then these other guys not getting playing time. It's just a plethora of issues that combine to be one major issue, which is Carolina not winning basketball games and getting blown up by 30. So, all that being said, as I've kind of already stated, not kind of said, I explicitly stated it, this is the last time I'm going to talk about this team. I just, I can't. I can't do it anymore. (laughs) You know, as mad as I get at them, it's still my team, and I want to see them succeed, and it hurts my heart to watch them play this bad. I I mean, it honestly does. Like, it actually upsets me. I mean, it, it, it bothers me a lot. And I just I don't think I want to watch them anymore. Not this year. Um, of course, I'm still going to check. You know, I'm going to look in at scores. I'm going to see how they're doing. I'm going to see who played well tonight. I'm going to probably watch some highlights. But as far as sitting down and watching whole games, I don't feel the need to, for lack of a better term, waste my time anymore. It's just not worth it. I'm not enjoying it. You know, I've enjoyed I enjoyed like the Michigan game where we won by 20. But that's I mean, that and the the Georgia Tech game. That's about it. So. This is the last time we talk about them. I don't think they deserve the airtime. And I, I did look up Hubert Davis and his career stats just for the NBA. If you're curious, um, 8.2 career average for points, uh, but he did shoot 44% from the three, which is really impressive. Um, I, his best scoring season, he averaged 11.1. Um, three seasons, four seasons prior to that, he averaged 11. So, you know, he – no great – great player, but I, th- I feel like he had a solid career. Played from 92 to 2004, so, you know, if you suck, you're not going to play for 12 years, uh, so he had a solid career. That's, uh, it's grand. It's great, and his career high is something I'm personally interested in, so I'm going to try to find that before I hop off here. Yeah, let's see. Game high. It goes per season, so points. His career high performance, he scored 32 three different times. Once in 2001, once in 2000, and once in 1994. He scored 32 points. Um, so, you know, a couple of really good games there. 
but yeah, this is going to be it for Carolina basketball, guys, for the season. You know, I think we'll probably do a recap at the very end of the year. You know, when the season's all over, I definitely want Dad to do that one with me and just talk about who we think to see returning. I kind of didn't talk about that all in depth today, specifically for that episode, um, and who's gone and what we hope for and anticipate next season. Until then, no more Carolina basketball, guys. Soul can't take it anymore. Hurts my heart. Can't do it. Hope they win. I'll always be a Tar Heel, but uh, this this one hurts. It's hard to see them play like this. But that's it, guys. I appreciate you listening. Hope your teams are doing better than mine. Hope you're enjoying college basketball season. Um, If anything, the one thing I'll hope for for this Carolina team the rest of the year, and it won't happen, but I'm going to hope for it, the very last game, Carolina versus Duke, of course. It's at Cameron Indoor. Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Let's win it, boys. Let's send Coach K out on a losing note in his own stadium. Let's make him lose his very last game in Cameron, or let's make sure he remembers that game. Come on. I, I believe in you guys. Let's do it. Play to Marco Dunn. Let's get it, guys. I think you can do it. Go Heels. Thank you for listening.